Welcome to War Room, the official podcast of the U.S. Army War College Online Journal, graciously supported by the Army War College Foundation. Please join the conversation at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. We hope you enjoy the program. Make sure not to miss a single podcast and subscribe to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite subscription service. The views expressed in this presentation are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of the U.S. Army War College, U.S. Army, or Department of Defense. Welcome to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast. I'm Ron Granary, Professor of History at the Department of National Security and Strategy at the U.S. Army War College and podcast editor of The War Room. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Educating Army professionals to win in a complex world is the official motto of Army University, the name for the Army Professional Military Education Network of 70 schools worldwide, in which more than 150,000 students are educated in more than 88 occupations. It's a massive task, made all the more complicated, as Army doctrine seeks to train the force for multi-domain operations, where the U.S. Army, as part of the joint force, can counter and defeat a near-peer adversary capable of contesting the U.S. in all domains. Developing and maintaining appropriate practices and evaluations to live up to those responsibilities is an ongoing challenge for Army University. How well has Army University responded to those challenges thus far? What can or should it do in the future? Our guest today, Lieutenant Colonel Jeff Barta, a member of the U.S. Army War College Class of 2021, has come to discuss the role of Army University based on his own strategy research project. Lieutenant Colonel Barta is an armor officer who has served in a variety of cavalry, combined arms, air assault infantry units, as well as training assignments, including as a professor of military science and 56 rotations as an observer coach trainer during his 21 years of service. Welcome to A Better Peace, Lieutenant Colonel Barta. Thanks, Ron. It's great to be here. It's an exciting new opportunity that I get here at the Army War College. Yeah, well, it's good. We're, we're delighted to uh, have a chance to talk about this. So, so let's talk about how did you select Army University as your strategy research project? So it's been, uh, it's been an exciting career thus far. And, and I've noticed that as I'm getting a little more senior, uh, looking at giving back and developing leaders and, and leader development as an effort within my organizations and, and personally has been something that I'm, I'm much more interested in. Uh, you know, they, they say that we're a little bit closer to the end uh, than, than some <laughs> others are. So it's fun to, you know, see those junior officers and NCOs uh, really rise up to the challenge, learn more and, and really prepare for the future. You know, like the song, uh, like the Army song says, the Army goes rolling along, uh, but it's important to, to have those leaders roll in the right direction. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, and and so uh, you were thinking about how train. You've obviously been involved in training and observing and coaching, so you've seen how the army tries to coach people up. Um, I gave some of the numbers in the intro, but I am curious. You know, how would you describe Army University to uh, to someone who is not in the army? Um, what does it see itself to be doing? So, drawing upon some of the similarities from higher education uh, in the civilian world. The Army created the Army University as an umbrella organization to nest uh, essentially all of its educational systems to to best synchronize and and educate leaders out there. When I was looking through some of the documents, I I found that the Army University was was the most significant change to the structure of leader development 
since the creation of the Training and Doctrine Command back in the late 70s. Um, and that also was a time period when we created the branch schools. Mm-hmm. So the Army University has also marked a strategic adjustment to meet the leadership, uh, the leader skills required for the previous concept of unified land operations. Looking forward to operating in a new concept, the multi-domain operations. I, I found that this this significant institution has been one of the, the biggest changes that I think will set us on the right course to properly educate leaders for the future. What does what does a shift to multi-domain operations or MDO mean for training of army officers? Yeah, so we're we're at another inflection point. Just a couple of years ago, the army changed its operating concept uh, to look into the future. Um, the, the time frame proposed out there is around 2028, 2035, when there'll be so many new technologies and capabilities in the force. And switching this concept, I found you know, we have to prepare the leaders to do that. The leaders who are currently serving are the ones who will be the senior leaders in the future. We're, we're not a lateral entry organization, right? <laughs> we grow leaders from within uh, and have to find the right ways and, and the tools to prepare them for the future. You know, so multi-domain operations um, sees the army as employed, you know, as a part of the joint force competing with adversaries across five domains, land, sea, air, space, and cyberspace. Uh, the main idea for the use of army forces is to conduct multi-domain operations to prevail in competition and, and when necessary, you know, win. So this AOC further defines some new phases across the conflict continuum, which are compete, penetrate, disintegrate, exploit, and recompete. Well, these are all fairly different from unified land operations, mm-hmm. and it will take a, a mental shift and the agility of leaders to adapt to the new operating concept when it fully becomes doctrine in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, in what ways, uh, and this is a, this is a, I know a larger problem with professional military education, but in, uh, it's one thing to say you're training army officers for multi-domain operations, but through army university, right? It's only army officers who are getting the training. Mm-hmm. Um, how or where is there any kind of joint coordination of this kind of training? So, so one of the neat things when this structure was, was put in place in 2015 as an, as an umbrella, it's, it's been able to synchronize not only the officer education system, but the NCO education system and the civilian education system for department and army civilians. Um, and it, it did follow the model of some of the other services, which have uh, a similar concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly there are uh, interlocutors there that work with their other service representatives and the other universities to make sure that, that we are nested within the joint force. Another interesting aspect of it is, is that our uh, operating concept and, and certainly some of the leader development uh, philosophies and strategies that go along with that have actually been informing the joint force on how to move forward and, and synchronize all the other services with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what... Uh... You know, Army University isn't that isn't that old, as you point out, right? It was created as umbrella only in the, within the last you know less than a decade, and already um, it's uh, responsible for managing this uh, shift to MDO. What kinds of things should Army University or is Army University planning to change or improve about its procedures or its training in order to meet those MDO challenges? What do we need to do differently? Well, as as, uh, as everyone's familiar with the unified land operations as our current doctrine, mm-hmm. and as the uh, as the leaders across the army look at 
implementing a new concept into doctrine. The Army University has also been looking at how we change our leadership development strategy to nest within that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we look at future budgets, resources, Army University will, will be helping to inform those things with the strategy. Uh, in fact, coming out later this year, uh, the Army 2021 training and leader development strategy uh, will be released. This one actually incorporates some of the new MDO ideas uh, into the strategy of how we do training and leader development across the Army. Along with that, uh, Army University has been the chair of a new effort to define the Army learning concept focused on 2035. And this will align the Army U concepts within the new MDO AOC uh, operating concept. So uh, I think, you know, re- readers and listeners out there should be on the lookout uh, yeah. because these will have a lot of new ideas, how to, how to better incorporate uh, technology into learning, how to best use a lot of the tools that are out there from the civilian higher education side. Uh, Army University has been able to, to draw some expertise in with those. Uh, and then most significantly, there are a lot of changes out there on how the Army is going to integrate the three learning domains even better. Mm-hmm. The three learning domains that, that came out in an early strategy in 2013 are the institutional domain, the operational domain, and the self-development domain. Oftentimes, you know, a, a leader spends, uh, some researchers have found that a leader spends about 90% of their time uh, of their learning in the operational force or through their own self-study in the self-development domain, and really only about 10% in the schoolhouse. So Army University and, and the associated schools are able to affect the change and the growth within that 10% of, of a career. However, if you're looking at lifelong learning to prepare those leaders for the future, there are some new ideas on there on how we can best integrate, you know, doctrinal concepts in schoolhouse training into the operational force and into self-study. Mm-hmm. So you, you of course have experience both as a unit commander and as a instructor in military science and as an a, a observer coach. In what ways did the, the research that you conducted this year at the War College about Army University, did you discover anything in your research that was surprising to you that you, uh, that you didn't already essentially have experienced in your previous roles as a commander and an instructor? Right. Uh, you know, I have been lucky in my career to get uh, several opportunities on, on the training side mm-hmm. yeah. of things and, and got exposed to a lot of the educational techniques and, and how, how to be a better teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a leader at the same time, which I, I think are some important uh, skills that that you know are very well, very closely tied together. What I did find though is that maybe not everyone has had several experiences that cross between the operational force and the institutional force, and may not be employing the the best leadership development techniques within their organization. In fact, there were some surveys uh, in the you know in the middle of the century in 2013. Um, there was a survey of Army leaders that that found only about 47 percent of the folks out there thought that they had an effective leader development program within their unit. Um, there was a survey in 2016 that that found that only about 63 percent of those leaders surveyed thought that their immediate supervisor was doing a decent job at developing their personal skills within their operational assignment. Uh, so, so I was kind of surprised to learn that there, that there might be a gap out there on, um, on how well people are actually getting educated in their operational time. Mm-hmm. Based on that, uh, 
those those uh, statistics you mentioned, which is fascinating. When people are talking about uh, whether there's been development, are they talking about their own development, or are they questioning whether their their leaders have been appropriately developed? Uh, no, they were questioning their own development. Their own development. By so their whether the whether yeah. by their super whether their supervisor had a strategy for doing it. Um, does Army University have a uh, a, a plan or a strategy for encouraging, you know, if not everybody is going to be as actively involved as an instructor and mm-hmm. as, as you have been, um, uh, what what ways exist for encouraging commanders, leaders to to be open to the more uh, systematic forms of instruction and leadership development? Right. So, so one of the uh, most recent changes is actually acknowledging the fact that we need to combine those domains and the learning that happens there. Mm-hmm. In fact, there used to be a separate army training strategy and an army training regulation and a separate leader development strategy and, and associated regulations with that. They are now combined. Uh, army 350-1, the, the, the universal training regulation is now training in leader development and the strategy will, will also be the same uh, under the same title. So, we're finding ways to better connect that. I think there are some technological solutions out there. There are going to be some information repositories that will better connect uh, the operational units. They can reach back to the schoolhouse, to the institutional domain, to make sure that they've got the most current uh, techniques and strategies. There's going to be some some overarching scenarios and, and ways to train uh, across those different domains. Um, in fact, you know that I saw some interesting uh, article recently about the new Army, you know, goggles. You can actually mm-hmm. put a synthetic training environment into those, so an operational force can tie into a database or a training environment developed from the schoolhouse uh, to give them, you know, some of the most accurate scenarios that that, that are out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I suppose it's the oldest question in uh, in the armed forces or in society, right? Is is our leaders our leaders born? Our leaders made? If they are made, what do we have to do to make them? Um, and so it's not. It, we shouldn't be surprised that Army University or or the Army is is you know feeling its way along here. Um, how has the process of of training and leadership development ch- changed in your sort of lived experience from when you were Second Lieutenant Barna? to now Lieutenant Colonel Mara. Oh boy. Well, <laughs> I, I think we've got a great focus now on learning outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that is something that Army University brought forward from, from the civilian higher education side. Mm-hmm. It, it's always been in existence, I think, since, you know, earliest, uh, earliest Army schools were around. The, as a young Lieutenant, I remember, you know, it, it was TASH condition standards that was the format uh, where you where you were briefed on what you're about to learn and how it was to be applied. Um, but now, with the focus on learning outcomes, and, and we've borrowed some some ideas from um, some researchers in higher education. You know, Bloom's taxonomy of learning talks about the the depth of cognitive uh, knowledge, how deep the the knowledge seeks in within our cognition, um, and we incorporate that as some of the different outcomes within schools. Uh, and it'd be really great to see that transcend over to the operational force. And if we look at, you know, the outcomes that we want to get from a, from a training event or a training scenario, um, I think that'll, that'll really help us moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what, what obstacles do you think, uh, exist right now in, uh, getting, uh, getting the force to this, uh, comf- level of comfort with training for MDO? Yes, <laughs> that's interesting. So. 
the number one that I saw was was one just the the gap in space within the operational learning. Mm-hmm. There there was going to be some you know disparate uh, if we continue down this path some some disparate outcomes between leaders across their careers if if one unit is not doing a very good job in leader development but another is and reinforcing the schoolhouse yeah that that could that could pose some risk for us in the future. But there are also a lot of uh, a lot of new tools out there in the future um, that. That humans are going to have to be able to to learn to be comfortable with. In fact, you know, I found this research report from Australia. They looked at cadets and midshipmen out there, um, and and found that a lot of them wouldn't trust the robots. In fact, it was Ooh. it was nearly eighty percent wouldn't trust robots to work alongside with them in future environments. And and these are these are younger people who have you know, grown up more accustomed to technology and they're still kind of wary of it on the battlefield uh, and found, uh, found some other research out there saying that our senior leaders across the force right now aren't, aren't necessarily comfortable with artificial intelligence to augment their decision-making. And this is, this is another tool that will be very prevalent uh, in the future uh, to gain an advantage in the, you know, the multi-domain operations construct. And if senior leaders aren't comfortable with it, you know that that might have a trickle down effect uh, as those junior leaders move up to be senior leaders. So, you know, I think we really need to find a way to to gain the trust of these new tools, just like we've incorporated other technologies in the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a it's an interesting bracket there. If you've got young young leaders who would be on the ground with the technology are not comfortable with it. And you've got the people at the top who are not comfortable with aspects of that technology. So you have a, that's a two-pronged problem. When does, I'm trying to think about how to phrase this. When we talk about people at different levels of career. When does, when does PME end? Um, so at what point, at what point in an officer's training, is it the, does the army sort of say, well, you know, everything, everything we think you're going to need to know and you don't need any more training. Does that ever happen? Well, amazingly, I'd, from the institutional side, I, I don't really believe that there is an end. Uh, you know, there's there's right. a course right here in Carlisle that uh, that teaches three star uh, you know generals and admirals how to be um, you know combined joint land forces or right. or air commanders um, in their you know um, their final final steps per se in the army uh, all right. the way down to the the newest lieutenants, and then certainly the self development domain continues. Uh, most senior leaders out there are very well read, always staying abreast of of latest developments, uh, and incorporating those into their their foundational PME knowledge that they got. And so, I guess a lot of a lot of this training along the way is not only whatever you're learning right now, but also to instill in the officer a desire and an ability to continue to learn to educate oneself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess this is where you know it's easy to imagine when we talk about new technologies, it's easy to imagine if there's a new technology, you got to figure out how to use it, right? All you, you and I are recording this podcast through a technology that neither of us was probably familiar with 18 months ago. Mm, that's very true. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, so clearly, you know, t- technology parts easy or, or it's not easy, but it's easy to imagine that you got to learn new technology. Um, how has the practice of leadership changed over time? That in ways that might not be directly related to the hard issues of technology, but just in, in how we conceive of what it means to be a leader, what it means to develop the people under your command. Well, speaking with some of the individuals who were working mm-hmm. on the new army learning concept, they actually believe that that hasn't changed too much. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And that there are some certain human characteristics that will transcend uh, the battlefield, you know, whether now or in the future. Uh, there are several leader skills that were, were postulated uh, within the MDO concept. Uh, um, let me just run down re- sure. real quickly for our, our listeners. Um, so it's, you know, understand performance science, uh, evaluate soldier readiness through through sensors, apply human machine interfaces and artificial intelligence, make rapid and more accurate decisions, uh, possess significant breadth and depth of technical expertise, thrive in ambiguity, ambiguity and chaos, and have increased resilience to operate in complexity. And I'll hone in on those last two. Ambiguity and chaos, resilience and complexity are, are really some just fundamental human aspects of, of warriors, you know, almost time immaterial. Um, so if, if the character of war evolves and new technologies are incorporated, humans will still, I believe in the future, be making those decisions augmented by some, some things that might make it more, more rapid. Uh, they might mm-hmm. have to make their decisions, um, quicker in order to gain an advantage out there or, or not be overcome by the enemy's advantage. Uh, and then certainly complexity being able to, uh, the, the human brain will still be super powerful and be able to, to wrap itself around a lot of the, the chaos on the future battlefield potentially more than a computer can. Right. I mean, I suppose as we were talking before we started recording, right, as a cavalry officer, right, you embody this transformation in the sense, you know, you don't ride horses anymore. Um, uh, so you, there are some things you don't need to know how to do, but it's still about getting people onto something that's going to move them from one place to another and get there in front of in front of the force, right? Uh, so the technology changes, but the challenges are the same. Yeah, certainly integrating the combined arms, right, has, has been something that we've been practicing. Uh, now there'll be more tools in the quiver to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And so um, have you, uh, when you were developing this project this year at the War College, uh, did you get uh, any feedback or any any indications from your fellow officers about their experiences with Army University and how they felt that it had uh, it had been part of their career development? I, I believe for a lot of people, it's actually kind of still an unknown entity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the branding and the marketing is continuing. Uh, right. There are some other fascinating pushes. The Army University wants to uh, get a credentialing and accrediting program so that education received from the Army, which has been happening for, for decades and decades now, uh, would be accredited by a, by a civilian accrediting agency and could actually potentially translate into civilian equivalent uh, degrees um, You know, once a, once a leader is um, is out of the army or potentially while they're in the army, they, they can have a transcript from the army, army university. Sure. Uh, so, so once I think they've, they've finalized some of those things, I believe that, uh, that it'll become a lot more well-known as a brand. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and, uh, to think about your experience in PME. So your year at the war college, right. As class of 2021, you have, you've been a student in the residential program, but in a particularly difficult period, uh, it hasn't been residential in the way that it mm-hmm. usually is. We've been doing a lot of online learning. Um, how would you characterize your experience as a student at the army war college? Well, certainly nothing like I expected this year. <laughs> Right. Uh, I do have to commend the War College for finding a, a lot of face-to-face opportunities, uh, even despite you know the the really crazy health conditions out there that that we wanted to protect the force from. Sure. Um, so so that's been exciting. Some some days it's you know learning through a computer. Uh, some days it's it's in person, and we actually get to use dry erase boards. Um, <laughs> the, I mean, it, would, I, I would it wouldn't be that, the army without a, without the occasional dry erase right, board. I mean, right? right. Yeah. Uh, 
so fascinating. I, I am a digital immigrant, right? Learning how to use these things in, you know, only recently shared, uh, shared documents over a computer while people chat on Teams, even while living in the same neighborhood has, has been, um, has been pretty unique. And it might be one that I, you know, I tell a story about that at the retirement home or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> but, but likewise, it's back in my day, yeah, it, I've, um, also had a great opportunity here as the children were also learning. So my first grader was at home for several months straight, uh, learning on the iPad mm-hmm. using zoom and other things. And, and she picked that, that stuff up so quickly. Um, but it's been fun to be part of her education as well this year too. Mm-hmm. Which I guess that's a, a small benefit, right? It wouldn't, it yeah. wouldn't, that would not have been possible otherwise. Um, do you know where you're off to after your uh, successful completion of your year at the Army War College? Oh, I'm, I'm excited to join the U.S. Uh, European Command out there in Stuttgart, Germany. We're all working their operations center forward deployed well, in Germany for the next two years. Right. Had, had, have you been stationed over there before? I have. I do have one experience uh, in Hohenfels in the, in the training center over there and, and over in Baumolder. So it's a, it's great to, to get back to something I, I do know, but also serve at a, an entirely new echelon. Uh, mm-hmm. Never served at the strategic level before, and really excited to, you know, to meet a bunch of counterparts from across the services and and watch our national strategy play firsthand. Right, and sort of get, see what it's like to plan uh, multi-domain operations in that in that sphere. Will it be uh, how 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 different do you imagine it will be? Uh, so when you were, I guess, your previous uh, service over there, you were. Uh, I was a captain, captain Barda, young, yeah. young captain. Okay, yeah. young captain. So a, tr- a, a company commander. I was a troop so, commander then for a cavalry troop and, mm-hmm. and also uh, an observer trainer in the Hohenfels. Um, <laughs> the four-star command was something that was might have well have been outer space back in those times. Uh, so now it'll be exciting to see how it all fits together and, and what are the pieces and, and how, we, uh, how we actually you know, work with our allies and partners over there. Well, I'm, that that leads me to the, the the question I wanted to end with, right? Thinking about about what's experience is what would, if you could go back and talk to to Captain Barda, Troop Commander Barda, uh, about what his what his training for his future career would be that would get him, you know, back to the space station there at the at Stuttgart. What would you What would you tell Captain Barda about what uh, about what this process is like moving through the Army um, to the position that you're going to be in? Wow, that's a fascinating question. Good I mean, do you think? Reflective. Do you think he would? Do you think? Do you think that you back then would have uh, was would have expected the things that happened to you to get you where you are now? I would not have expected, but I would say, looking back, the Army plan holistically for for a career is mm-hmm. is right on track. Mm-hmm. I think it it gave me the education at the right inflection points uh, on moving up to the next level. Has uh, tied me together with some, um, you know. The new concepts, as they evolve, we've we've been able to infuse them into the schoolhouse and, and get to train on those things. Uh, I would say to my former self, uh, have a joint assignment a little bit earlier to learn about <laughs> about how the whole Pentagon services all of it works together. Uh, mm-hmm. I was uh, I was always excited to be uh, to be you know in the mud uh, with the troops or whatever, but uh, but there is a time to learn. How a lot of other things work together at the senior levels. Interesting. Well, this is good, and I suppose you'll you will meet a lot of troop commanders when you're when you're back over there, and you can see whether you can, you know, before you get to the old folks' home, right? You can give advice to uh, to younger officers on what they can do. Right. 
but you know, the army still got me to the war college at the right place in the right time before a strategic opportunity. So it, uh, the, the, the system has worked and I, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. I, uh, I look forward to being able to, you know, mentor those younger ones coming up. Outstanding. Well, uh, that's a, that's an excellent point on which to end this conversation. Thank you so much, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jeff Barter for joining us today on a better piece. Thank you so much, Ron. You bet. And thanks to all of you for listening in. Please send us your comments on this program and all the programs and send us your suggestions for future programs. We're always interested in hearing from you. Please subscribe to A Better Peace if you have not already. And if you have not already, why haven't you? Um, but after you've subscribed to A Better Peace on, on your podcatcher of choice, please rate and review this podcast so that other people can find us as well. That helps to grow this community, which we always want to do. We're always interested in hearing from you and we look forward to welcoming you to future conversations. But until next time, from the War Room, I'm Ron Granary. And that concludes our program. Thank you for listening. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the U.S. Army or the Department of Defense. Let us know what you think. Provide us your feedback, comments, or suggestions through our webpage at warroom.com. Dot Army War College dot edu and have a great day.